conversation. This is part two of our conversation with Nikki Reed, where we left off, where we were talking about as a teacher, like that pride, you just have to let it go. That can't be part of the equation when you step in front of kiddos, because ultimately you, as the teacher, you don't win. There's nothing that you gain from being prideful and like holding this firm stance in front of kids of like, oh, I said such and such and such, and you got to do like, no, that's not of benefit for them because ultimately that's why you're there. You're there for the kids. You're there to serve. And so yep. holding that pride is, isn't a benefit to, to, to anyone. And so I, I, I resonate with that whole, wholeheartedly after you, after you said it. And I think what it is too, is that you only know what you know sometimes. True. So if that's the way I was raised, if that's what I was taught, it got me into shape, or at least I think it did, then that's what I do. Now, I know some people don't believe in spankings and all that. I'm fine with those kinds of things, but I also have to recognize that that doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that just because mommy did it, I should do it. I should do what I think is best for my kid in this moment. Mm-hmm. If that's what my child needs, then that's what I'm going to give, not just because that's what somebody did for me, but what does my child need? One of my children may need a spank. Another one may need a conversation. Another one may just need a hug. And understanding your kids' love language is the same thing in schools. What is the language that this child is speaking at this moment? I literally had this conversation about pride with a student today. I said, the reason you're upset with that boy is because of pride. I said, you're mad because you're trying to prove to him he's not going to tell you this, he's not going to tell you that. I said, but you want me to have grace for you when you're upset, but you have no grace for him when he's upset. So like, we got to work with that. We got to have some grace for each other. So we talked about that today. And I think that that's so important to understand Today, I had this, a couple of students who went in the bathroom, threw some crackers on the floor, did a few things. And the, I know the person, the, the, the person I believe who wanted them to clean up was very upset because she wanted something else more than just having them clean it up. But why? What else do they need? Now, if they can tell you to do something that's damaging, fine. But the biggest thing for them is go fix your mistake. You made a mess. Go back to that bathroom, fix it, and go back to class. Don't, don't tell me what you didn't do. Just tell me what you did, and let's move on. Believe that consequence has to be hurtful or painful, then we want give it to like they did they gotta get something for instead of shouldn't the goal be to change the behavior. I don't care if you like the punishment or the consequence. I don't care if the consequence is every day you're hanging out with me in my office and that's your consequence and you enjoy it. Maybe that connection helps you to be better and not to do the thing again because you made a connection with me. Other people will see it as oh she just she did that and now she hangs out in your office. No, she's talking to my office because I got to teach her how to speak to people. I got to have those conversations and people don't realize that they get so upset because in their mind, nothing's happening. You're not doing anything. And that's the, that's the false of, of um, falseness of when you're trying to correct behavior. I, I remember years ago, a friend of mine, her name was Juma Brown. She works in New York. She's a um, brilliant leader. She used to work at one of the schools we worked at, but she talked about how when she had a kid, she finally realized what it felt like. She took her child to the daycare center. Her daughter kept acting up. She was so embarrassed when she went back to the daycare center because she couldn't get her daughter to stop. And she was telling the lady, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix this. So imagine a parent comes to the school. You have a conversation with them. Oh, they won't be doing that anymore. They're going to get it together. And they come back the next day and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now the parent feels like, oh my gosh, I told you they was going to be better. And now they're not. What do you think of me? So I always tell my parents, as long as you don't give up, I won't give up. I don't expect this to change overnight. I don't expect that you're going to go home and make a miracle. You might, but if you don't, that's okay. As long as I believe and we working together that you are trying something, that's all that matters to me. That you're supportive of what we're trying to do here and I can support you because I recognize the fact that this is not an overnight thing where you're just going to say, mommy said, don't do that anymore. And you're just going to stop because we put parents in a box mm. and then they can't fix it because we have decided that 
for some teachers have decided if it doesn't change, the parent isn't doing anything. So I don't need to call them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you get to tell that parent that you're going to, that they no longer are the parent anymore because you're not going to call anymore and tell them what's happening. You can't do that. No. You've got to keep them informed. Even when it gets on their nerves, there's a way to do it. So it doesn't feel like you're calling for every little thing, but you got to be able to talk to parents and let them know that you are supporting what they're doing. And you see them, you see them as the parent. And as the one who knows more about their kids than anybody else, you have them for a year. They've had them all their lives. That right you don't there. really, and, and you, you know what I mean? So I think that's important. That you, you touch on a couple of things. And as you were speaking, I was like, I mean, the process of reading a book, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clare. And in it, he talks about um, process over product. Mm, oh, yes. Folks, he, I, haven't, I haven't heard him say that, but I heard someone else. Go ahead. Yeah, and how he, he he talks about goals and systems and how, why is it that we grandize, I hope I'm getting this correct, where we grandize like the winner had this goal and like, but the loser had the goal too. The loser wanted to win as well. However, mm-hmm. there's a process to it. And the process being what you were mentioning of like, it's if you love the process over the product, then you're always in the game. Yep. And you're, you're continuously like looking to get better. Whereas the person is just like, I just want to win. Cool. You win that game. And then what you stop, you stop training, you stop putting in the work. You're like, it's the off season. I can go eat my fast food and you gain your belly back. Then it's like, all right, once the season comes back, I'll come back. And it, it, as I'm speaking in this, I'm like, Oh, that's sort of like what I see when I think about LeBron, who's now in his 19th year of basketball. And you're like, my man's the second overall. Why? Cause it seems like he loves the process. It's not mm-hmm. just about winning champions. It's just like, no, basketball is what one of the things that I do all the time and yep. constantly looking to get better at that. And so if you're a teacher and you look at your kiddos and like, this is not done, I am merely in this process of helping this kiddo. And like you mentioned, the parents know the kiddo best. The parents know them better than me. They know how to speak to their kids. They know what's going to motivate them. I'm going to the parents like, what do I say that's going to echo you? I, right. I don't have the, the thing that's going to be like grandiose it's gonna if I say anything I'm like yeah my mom said that yeah my nana said that yeah my older yep. I'm gonna be right. someone else and so I want to make sure that like you mentioned when we have our conversations me and parents and guardians like all I want to do is echo you because I may spend more time with them here in the building of the school but you know them better than I do you know yep. like you have those experiences with them those memories that so you saying that just made me think like yeah, that, that's a gem there. Like, love the process, not the, just the product. The product is good. The goal is good. We all got to have goals. However, if you're only focused on the goal, then once that's met, then you're like, oh, my job is done. It's like, no, it isn't. Exactly. <laughs> no, it isn't. Have you ever watched Inky Johnson? No. So there's a, he's, so Inky Johnson, he went to Tennessee State University hmm. and ever watch him. And he talks about the process of the product. He said, had I not had the process, when what happened to him happened, he would have been destroyed. Yeah. But because he had a process and he was about that, you got to watch. He, he does motivational videos everywhere, but his original one just talks about his story. He does real quick, real motivation. He speaks to like college kids everywhere. But the, the idea is that we're not just worried about the product. Yes, we want a product. But yeah. what did they learn? For example, my scholars recently did a, um, a show. Now, this is only our second year since I've been there doing a show and it wasn't perfect. But that's not what I was excited about. Yeah. I was excited about what was happening backstage that they were talking like they were really in a show, that they were like, get on stage. And when, when they finished their show and they were on Zoom and they paused and they're waiting for the camera to walk. And then when it went off 
and they screamed for each other and they clapped and they felt like they were at a real show. That's what I cared about. Yeah. You People can't see that and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But this is what's important to them because mm-hmm. while we're worried about this grand show, it didn't, you know, maybe it didn't turn out the way we wanted. What I saw was the pride in their faces when they did a good job, yeah. when they memorized the line, when they sang for, you know, the first time we got to have a small choir and I kid, one of my busiest boys was in the choir. The fact that he was even willing to be in it, I was shocked. And I was thankful for that. So that's what I see. You know, and, but it's hard, though, because at first glance, the perfectionist in me wanted to see all the things we did wrong. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see what we need to do next time. And then I said, wait a minute. No, thank you. Let me look at what my babies did, what my scholars did, and what they did accomplish. Because we got to start looking at what we're doing well as, what, as well as what we need to improve. I call this, I say sometimes we have to honor what we do well until we can grow and what we can do better. You know, right now, what are we doing well? And honor that so that we can stand on that and then grow into more things. Because if you keep beating yourself down, you'll never get anywhere. Working in an urban school for the past 24 years can be draining. Because every school you go to, that's why I want to change the system. Every school we go to, we're behind. There's no, I haven't gone to an urban school yet that wasn't fighting for the bottom. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some achieving in pockets. But even some of that can't be reproduced because sometimes it's just a group of kids that you get. You could just get a great group of kids. So I I want us to be in a place where our scholars are achieving at the rate of everyone else all the time. Not not for some, you know, what is stopping us from doing that? And so that's the thing I want to see. Yes, there are a lot of outside things, and I think we don't address them enough. We also don't spend enough time teaching teachers about classroom management. And when I say classroom management, I'm not talking about managing like the behaviors but teaching them to build relationships so that they have the discipline for example i use this example and it actually goes back to that goal that goal thing when i lost weight way back i lost about 50 pounds i lost it at first i had to make the discipline though to be able to lose it and then once i lost it i could manage it but you can't manage what you haven't first brought the discipline for yet and we don't do that and that's the problem but what my problem was in that particular case myself i had a goal but I wasn't thinking about a long-term process, which is why I gained the weight back. Mm. But the reality is, and it's probably the reason why we keep going back in circles in our in our in our education. Education, period, is a circular thing. You know, you try this, you try that, and you keep going around. But there are a lot of places that are not continuing to try things because it's working and they just keep doing it. But because no one has a solution for urban schools, they just continue to try things and everybody's selling something. Yeah. And I think we need to recognize the fact that not everybody is doing this because they love children. People are doing this because it makes money. I say all the time, poverty makes money or we wouldn't have it. If poverty didn't make money, it would go away, but it makes people money. That's why we continue to have poverty. That's why people continue to suffer. Somebody's got to be at the bottom. And right now we have in some ways said, okay, I was listening to Principal Matters and it was a guy in their name, um, Dr. Muhammad. I wish I could remember his first name. At the end of the message, he said, I just, he said, well, you know, because of George Floyd and all these different things, and I know you've been affected by that. He was basically talking about that. But he said, what would you say to people? He said, I want Black people to remember that we used to have our own schools. We had had our own elementary, middle, and they fed into our HBCUs. Why are we waiting for someone else to give us the green light for something we've been doing for centuries? No, we weren't the only ones. People helped us, but we literally have run our own schools. And now the HBCUs are becoming popular again, which is good for me because that was where I went. So I'm excited. This is exciting for me. <laughs> but my point is, we've done this before. This is not new. And we had schools of excellence. If I, when I listen to my mother-in-law and my mother talk about what they did when they went to school, segregated schools, 
yes, the segregation piece wasn't great because we got the low end of the stick, but what they were learning, the rigor, those pieces were magnificent. How do we get that back and not say things like, why is education important to Black people? I don't think it's not that education's not important. I think we've been fed, fed um, a, lot of, a lot of people who have gone to school didn't have a good experience. And so now they have they don't have the same faith in the system that yeah. we need them to have. And that's a part of the problem. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. First and foremost, <laughs> let me validate what you just said. <laughs> I agree. And if you if you've never seen or experienced in something, then it's difficult to believe in that something. Exactly. Whereas if you haven't seen it, but you know someone who has, and that person can speak it to you. Then in your mind's eye, you're like, all right, I've never seen this. All right, show me how it's done. Right. I've never, I've never climbed Mount Everest, but I've heard a couple of people have done it. All right, what do I got? Right. Okay, right. I gotta take this path, this path. Okay. Yep, absolutely. I and mean, so, it's the reason why. No, my bad. No, I'll say it's the reason why, you know, certain sports are for certain kids or, or in certain communities mm -hmm. because you never had the opportunity to do it. Like I look right now in the town that I live in and it is a town that is mostly of, well, white Americans, but the football team for the for the Pop Warner is almost all black kids. So you're like, where do kids go? Because when they get to high school, they play football together. Well, they're playing hockey. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those kids are playing hockey and that's fine. But why aren't our kids playing hockey too? Because that never seemed like an opportunity. It didn't seem like a door open to us. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but we haven't seen enough people who look like us to say, or enough people to say, we could try that. Yep. It's the same philosophy of, I know when you lived here, you probably know, know over here by um, Yale Divinity and over there, it's almost like an invisible wall. When you come up the hill, there's million dollar homes. And I used to say to my students when I, when I taught at a, a public school here, I used to say, why don't people go up there? Why don't we ever see people like us just taking walks or walking through there? If you do, it's very rare. Who said we couldn't go over there? But yet we don't. Who said that? And, it, and I'm sure there are a few black people living over there, but for the most part, people stay down the hill where there is crime and shootings and all kind of stuff. And you walk right up the street and the streets look like you can eat off of them. Those are things that contribute to our kids being in the place they're in. And it's, and I, I want you to be very clear. I'm not making excuses. Our kids can rise like everybody else, but are we really investing in giving them the tools to do that? Or are we blaming them for not living up to the, what we put them in? You know, LeBron said it once where he said, I think it was LeBron who said, you know, I see all these, um, Black people rising from the, you know, from, from the ashes or doing these great things. And people look at them and say, oh, look at all the stuff they've overcome. He said, but what if they didn't have to? What, what if we could just let them have a normal life like everybody else? Yep. Why we always got to overcome something? Yep. Why do we always have to fight for something? Mm -hmm. Why can't we just get up and go to school and be able to walk to our neighborhood school? Because it's quality. Yeah. So I don't have to get on a bus and drive an hour away so I can get to a school that doesn't, so, it, so the school is where I'm going makes sense. Yeah. Well, why, why is that? And we all know why, but our, what are we doing as a community to do something? And some of us are, we're doing something else, you know, to do something about it, but how can we do that on a bigger scale? And then also recognize that it's more than just being in the system. It's literally, we're going to have to change it. And I think for some people that scares people because what, what does it look like? Who's going to be affected? It doesn't mean every piece of the system needs to go, but we at least need to take time and look at it and say, what part of this is not working for our children? Because I've been in education, like I said, 24 years, and we are still dealing with the same problems, just a different set of kids. 
I, I think uh, listening to you again is making me think of the book and how one <clears> percent <throat> changes over the long run have massive effects, and so when certain things can be changed, and like you're saying, it, the system doesn't need to be overhauled and changed overnight. However, there are some things that can be shifted, can be changed in order for 24 years from now, we're not still in the same place. We're not seeing the same things. Um, exactly. I, I, guess I started 10 years after you because this is 14 for me. And thinking about, I, I know for myself, I haven't seen many Black men. And so if that could be a 1% change, take that from 2% to, 2 to 3%, bet. Then thinking about what you mentioned about classroom management and specifically building relationships with kiddos. Like, how do you do that? That, isn't, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen overnight. There's going to be some tumbles and whatnot. However, take the pride out of the equation. Be able to have some real conversation, authentic conversations, however you look with the kiddos that you're teaching so that they see you and they know that, oh, teacher sees me as well. The routines that you have have to be just that, routines. So that when kiddos come in, they know like, this is going to be this, this is going to be that, then this is going to happen. And if there is a change, like you, you call it out from the beginning, you meet them at the door and like, hey, this is how today is going to be different for this reason, blah, blah, blah. And like, it was like, all right, great. And so the only can, way that works, yes. And right, if we can do right. those sort of things, get those sort of 1% regularly changed, then I think over time, 10, 24 years from now, we're not going to be still saying the same, same thing. You were going to say? 